listening to KBOO Portland. KBOO Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBOO in accordance with the requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBOO Community Radio's open meeting policy is available on our website at kboo.fm. Due to the temporary closure of in-station activity at KBOO, meetings will be conducted online via video conferencing unless otherwise noted. A public link and phone number to attend the meetings are available on our website. The Finance Committee meets the second Tuesday of the month at 6 p.m. Please visit our website at kboo.fm to verify that a meeting is being held. Mose Allison, The Talking Earth. Talking Earth, uh, this program will be for um, October 10th coming up. Uh, Patrick, Patrick Deer, my dear engineer, and uh, um, KBO Portland. And we're, I was trying to voice what might be uh, Halloween and the Day of the Dead and all of this stuff, and uh, uh, this is not. Um, uh, this is not uh, Columbus Day. This is at a very minimal Indigenous People Day. So we're getting rid of uh, Christopher Columbus permanently, forever. Um, and so um, um, we, um, Patrick, we're uh, and you're gonna. You you have uh, some little Harlan Ellison and some I, other. I have some stuff to read later. Okay. Well, I don't know later is when later is. Uh, or, or right now? Well, no, let's um, let's do... Um, let's take care of um, the genocide of the Indians, and I hope that they... And they're taking charge, and I think they might uh, save the planet Earth. And uh, so... Uh, the empowerment of uh, Native people is happening in Oregon City of Willamette Falls. Uh, the Grand Ronde Tribe, as uh, there, there was an article, one page in the uh, Willamette Week, about um, them cleaning out the um, uh, all of the rust, rusted paper mills, and all of that, and and um, making that a kind of sacred place. So um, Willamette Falls, Salilo Falls, um, 
the power of the tribes, and I give David Hedges a lot of credit for um, engaging with um, the tribe, and uh, Oregon City became, you know, the end of the Oregon Trail, and I spent 45 years there. But I think um, uh, some of the tribes, and they're, they're getting back some of their rights, and there's fishing on the Columbia River. I was up, I went up the Columbia River Gorge with, uh, with uh, um, a book called Bookstore, Craig, and uh, and they were fishing in the river. So, and at the Clickitat, and uh, so, um, John Trudell passed, and I, th uh, but you know, uh, he was firebombed. His family was almost burned up, and. Uh, um, and he had what was the name of his darn band? The well, John. Uh, we were actually going to invite him to perform. Uh, anyway, uh, well, um, I, I, I'm going to play some of this John Trudell. That's probably his band right there. of the spiritually disconnected here this is the reality that seems to be prevalent because it's like you look at the leadership or you look at the institutions or the things that that are held up in these esteems and they, none of these things seem to have any spiritual relationship to life you know so it's like uh, no spiritual relationship to life it's almost like no spiritual recognition we're in, we're in a time in reality where the, the human beings, in the, at least in the technologic world, no longer remember the, the original dream. They no longer remember their ancestors or the teachings or the knowledge. They no longer have these things of their ancestry. So it's almost like they're spiritually disconnected from the past. And when you look at the situations that, and conditions that we live in now, with the way that the way that the cancers of greed and and war the way that these viruses these diseases have spread and no one is really taking responsibility to effectively deal with these things and people are having emotional reactions and emotional outbursts and these types of things but but no one's taking clear and coherent action to deal with these this this disease of aggression that is taking place so it's almost like they have no spiritual relationship to their own descendants. So no spiritual relationship to the past, the ancestry, no spiritual relationship to the ancestry in the shape of the future. So whatever this disease of aggression and violence and greed and all, whatever this disease mentality is that lives in this life system now, it's eating up the spirit of, of the diseased. They, they, and they don't even know it's happening. They, they have no relationship to being. They only function and react as humans. They have no relationship to being. Being always is. This is how we're with our ancestry, with our descendants, being. When we leave as humans, we go back to being. Being, human being, that really means something. But we live in a reality now, we're in a time where I would say anyone, you know, protect your spirit. <laughs> protect your spirit because, because you're in the place where spirits get eaten. The horror. And the reality of many realities. How we see what we see affects the quality of our reality. We are children of earth and sky. DNA, descendant, now ancestor. Human being, physical spirit. Bone, flesh, blood as spirit. Metal, mineral, water as spirit. We are in time and space, but we're from beyond time and space. The past is part of the present. The future is part of the present. Life and being are interwoven. We are the DNA of Earth, Moon, planets, stars. We are related to the universal. Creator created creation. Spirit and intelligence with clarity being and human as power. 
We are a part of the generations of evolution. We are a part of the memories. These memories carry knowledge. These memories carry our identity. Beneath race, gender, class, age, beneath citizen, business, state, religion, we are human beings. And these memories are trying to remind us, human beings, human beings, it is time to rise up. Remember who we are. Uh, that's a brilliant rap, though, isn't it? No, it is. Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it was on Kebu, but uh, when he passed away, you know, not long ago. And uh, John Trudell, the great John Trudell, no more Columbus Day. Indigenous People Day, and that kind of wisdom will help all of us in one way or another if we can get rid of this sick, horrible society. I saw him speak once, and he was amazing. Well, where did you see John Trudell speak? Oh, uh, it was at a church that's right by Music Millennium, and it was like in the mid-90s. Uh-huh. I think it might have been a fundraiser. But, uh, but I, I, you know, I, I think he matured. God, that's really uh, wise stuff, you know. Yeah, no, but he's right about like you're in the place where souls get eaten. Where souls get eaten. So we're going to talk about so souls being eaten here. Well, not completely. No, no, we're, we we want to make some of this positive. Do, do, do we want a uh Well, well, what where 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 would you like to go because you're part I of could, the show? I could read Harlan Ellison. Well, 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 go ahead, and, and, and so, he was science fiction, and you're, you're the, oh, I want a dialogue with you. Go ahead, so yeah. So Harlan Ellison was science, a famous science fiction writer he wrote, and fantasy writer, although he never allowed them to put the word fantasy on his books, on the outer cover, because it spoiled the mood. Uh, he wrote the, one of the most famous uh, Star Trek episodes ever, City on the Edge of Forever. So if you watch the original series of Star Trek, well, you know millions, Well, hundreds Ellison of millions is. of people have. Yes. And, and uh, it, this is from a, a you go ahead a yeah. a bunch of prose poems titled A to Z in the Chocolate Alphabet. Good. This is X is for Zaphon, demon of the second order. At the time of the rebellion of the angels, he proposed that the heavens be set on fire. For his perfidy, he has forevermore stoked the furnaces of hell. It is never good to have dissatisfied help working in one's company. Zaphon is steadily overloading the boilers. Pay attention to the stories about the melting polar ice cap. Zaphon is programming for Armageddon, and there's not a damn thing we can do about it. Well... Uh, give give a couple more and and what was his book called Strange Wine or what? Yes, the the book in which it first appeared is called Strange Wine. It's from nineteen seventy seven. This guy's a wit. I like him. He's he's a wit. No. Yeah, it's kind of dark. Well, no, we're we're talking about horror, horrible. Do we want one more? Well, yeah, it's just another quick one, and then we'll go on. You're going to come back, of course. Really quick one. Okay, here we go. Uh, K is for Kangas Khan. He was a very nice person. History has no record of him. There is a moral in that somewhere. I wasn't kidding when I said it was short. <laughs> well, listen, uh, and you're gonna you're gonna come back, Harlan Ellison. But we we got to keep moving the show ahead, and and of course I love uh, Joan Baez, and um, uh, we'll try this. Gracias a la vida because uh, Victor Hara and the murder of and the murder of um, uh, Pelo Neruda and I'm gonna bring that up lightly and I'm gonna bring you a poem or two. Okay. Claro, madre, amigo, hermano, 
Gracias a la Vida was written by um, Victor Hara and uh, 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 Kathleen Stevenson um, gave me um, his voice and of course he was murdered by Pinochet in 1973 and when they gunned down uh, Salvador Allende in uh, Chile and uh, obviously um, um, uh, Kissinger and all of those guys are war criminals. Pinochet was never brought to uh, uh, into the courtroom because he kind of went mad. But uh, uh, and and Chile has recovered. I will say that. I I'm gonna come back to the um, Pinochet got away with a lot. Oh, they it it, it was really terrible. I uh, well why why don't I since we we brought up the uh, the murder murder of um it's taken years and uh this was harper's magazine january 2015 uh letter from chile battle over naruda's corpse <laughs> uh and this harper article um brings in new evidence uh uh god what's popping things are popping out of the room um um, the they tried to deny it, and um, Milton Free Freed Friedman, Friedman uh, the Chicago. They what they tried to do. They had a wonderful um, socialist Marxist uh, revolution there with Salvador Allende and uh, Pablo Neruda. Really could have been president, but he, he, fortunately for him, he wasn't. Um, when they gunned down uh, uh, Allende in the hospital and they killed Victor O'Hara, who rode Gracias La Vida in the stadium, they cut off his fingers and all this um, incredible thing you would think that no civilized human being could do. Um, but I, I didn't I didn't realize. I knew he was. Uh, I knew he was in the hospital. And as I say, this is from. Um, uh, a, a, you know, a woman wrote it, Emily Witt, in the uh, 2015 January Harper's. Um, uh, they really tried to denigrate his name, and they, and 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 he was in the hospital with. Um, he was in the hospital with uh, prostate cancer, but he was very lucid. But he was isolated, and uh, uh, the only his chauffeur uh, um, was um, around him, and he, of course, he was. Um, this is what he told his chauffeur. Uh, and they uh, covered this up. Uh, Araya was a 14-year-old communist activist from San Antonio when he met Neruda in 1972, when Araya was 25. Neruda hired him as his chauffeur, personal assistant, and bodyguard. Neruda was already ill with prostate cancer, phlebitis, host of other ailments, but Araya claimed that the poet was not yet on his deathbed. Now speaking to the cameras, Araya described a mysterious occurrence in the clinic on the day before the poet's death. A doctor entered Neruda's room while he was sleeping and administered an injection in his stomach. 
which was followed by a rapid deterioration of the poet's health. In other words, a doctor came and injected him. Uh, and um, uh, Araya had not been present at the event, but he recalls it when they found the poet florid and in pain, a sudden shift in his condition. I said to him, Don Pablo, Pablo Neruda, what happened to you? And he told me a doctor gave me an injection. Manuel, I'm burning up inside. Fifteen minutes later, after he'd been dispatched on an errand, Araya was pulled over by the police and taken to the local station. He was beaten and interrogated uh, ab uh, about his communist contacts to the National Stadium, which had been become a notorious site of torture and death. When Neruda died at around 10.30 p.m. on September 23, 1973, the chauffeur was still imprisoned there. Uh, and, and so they imprisoned him. And uh, so the, um, now what's bizarre about it is, I suppose it's a Halloween story, but the battle over Pablo Neruda's corpse the family dug him up twice, trying to find evidence of poison or something. Yeah. But there was nothing exactly conclusive. Now I think you and and you're we're gonna do a little mores and stuff, and we we had promised to do that. We have to keep moving along here. But uh, I I what I wanted to do was uh, uh, read a, a a beautiful poem that. Oh, Curtis, that I translated of... Uh, Neruda's? Of Neruda, yeah. And there's uh, some... Uh, Borges. Okay, we're getting lost again. <laughs> lost and found. I might add that Borges and Neruda had very different political beliefs. Well, yeah, talk about them and why did you... Uh, well, they're also from... I mean, was... Oh, no, Bo Bar it, uh, uh, Borges was... Um, quite conservative and he was an Anglophile and he ran the uh, library in Buenos Aires and yeah. was uh, uh, quite the, um, but he was, uh, you no. know, a, a Jungian uh, archetypal. And he was not a fascist though. Well, I, I think that's uh, uh, unfair to him, but. Yeah, he's not a fascist. Uh, but, you know, this is how great, I, I, I just want to read this one quickly, but We've got to watch the time there. Uh, I wrote this, I did this, uh, uh, and I don't know where I got this. I've translated over a hundred. I'm not bragging, I just want to say that uh, I, I think this is really a beautiful testament to Neruda, and I'm only going to do this one poem. Uh, Lazy One, Perisoso. Uh, they, they will continue traveling things of metal among the stars. Weary men will go up to violate the soft moon and there found pharmacies. In this time of full grape, he's talking about life now, the wine commences its life between ocean and cordillera. In Chile, the cherries dance and in guitars, bright water shines. The sun touches every door and makes miracles in wheat. The first wine is rosé, is sweet like a tender child. The second wine is robust like the voice of a sailor. And the third wine is a topaz, a poppy and a fire. My house has sea and earth. My woman has great big eyes, color of wild hazelnut. When the night comes down, the sea dresses in white and green. And then in the moon, the spume dreams like a sea girl. And this is the kicker. I don't want to leave this planet. 
Earth. I don't want to leave Earth. I don't want to go up there in rocket ships. I don't want to do all of that. So uh, I was, I could read Ode to the Wine, but we don't have time. So anyway, um, Paolo Nuller was, was finally murdered. They exhumed the body twice and they could not get conclusive evidence. And the younger generation in, in Chile, thank God they have come back, and Milton Freeman, uh, Freeman, and Friedman, 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 uh, who wanted to privatize everything and destroy the Allende Revolution, and yeah, he, uh, he he certainly did, and Pinochet did, and uh, and uh, America is responsible once again for all of that stuff. So, um, what should we we, we want to go to Boris? Well, well, why do we go to? Well, you want to go to Borges? Let's go yeah, to Borges. Yeah. Well, well, why, why did we decide to do the Spanish poets? I'm just curious. Uh, I think I just wanted to do. Uh, well, why did it's anti Columbus Day? It isn't Columbus Day. <laughs> uh, it ain't Columbus but, but Day. What's, uh, what do we want to do about Borges? Well, maybe maybe we should take uh, a pause here, and I have. Uh, uh, Jorge Luis Borges, of course, um, I uh, had the uh, curious DNA disease of, uh, of uh, going slowly blind, and eventually he went entirely blind, but uh, he had sight uh, for a while, and, and um, I, I don't know, you, um, I, again, these a little bit are my... Uh, translations when he when we when he went blind and I'm gonna we're gonna bring up Edgar Allan Poe here uh, he actually went to Baltimore and went to the grave totally blind of Edgar Allan Poe Edgar wow. and, and uh, uh, but I think um, do you do you wanna do you wanna read this one a blind man sure now that's by the time he was blind oh go ahead yeah do it please a Blind Man by Jorge Luis Borges. I don't know what face looks at me when I look at the face in the mirror. I don't know what image the old one seeks in wordly, wordless and now weary anger. Slow in my darkness, with hand I explore my invisible features. A flash of light lances me. I have glimpsed your hair, which is the color of ash and even of gold. I repeat that I've only I've lost only the vain surface of things. The consolation is from Milton and Brave, but also I think of letters and roses. I think that if I could see my face, I know who I am on this rare afternoon. Yeah, isn't that a, a, a curious uh It's a beautiful poem. Uh it it really is and and but he only arrived later in life to become blind, you see. Yeah. And um, I, um, the great Argentine short story writer and poet, and did you have something that you uh, brought, wanted to bring about him or what? Uh, uh, you want me to read something from him? A little a, a little bit, yeah. I'll give some and comments. you've got fixiones. No way, we, we, we're gonna educate people here. Yes, yeah, fixiones uh, is a collection. There's a personal antelogia, there's uh, and I also have, a, well, go ahead. Just keep anyway, going. I am going to read a little section from Pierre Menard, author of Don Quixote. And for those who don't realize, uh, in the real world, Pierre Menard did not write Don Quixote. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, my intent is merely astonishing. Pierre Menard wrote the author. He wrote me from beyond on December 30th, 1934, the ultimate goal of a theological or metaphysical demonstration, the external world, God, chance, universal forms, are no less anterior or common than this novel which I am now developing. The only difference is that philosophers publish in pleasant volumes the, intermedi the intermediary stages of their work, and that I have decided to lose them. And in fact, not one page of a rough draft remains to bear witness to this work of years. 
The initial method he conceived was relatively simple. To know Spanish well, to re-embrace the Catholic faith, to fight against the Moors and Turks, to forget European history between 1602 and 1918, and to be Miguel de Cervantes. Pierre Menard studied this procedure. I know that he arrived at a rather faithful handling of 17th century Spanish, but rejected it as too easy. Uh, rather, because it was impossible, the reader will say. I agree, but the undertaking was impossible from the start, and of all the possible means of carrying out, this was the least interesting. To be, in the 20th century, a popular novelist of the 17th seemed to him a diminution. To be, in some way, Cervantes, and to arrive at Don Quixote seemed to him less arduous and consequently less interesting than to continue being Pierre Menard and to arrive at Don Quixote through the experiences of Pierre Menard. Now I'm, that I'm is... I'm going to go a little forward. No, okay, that's... You're reading Heinlein's... No, uh, Bore's. Okay. Bore's... I am reading Bore's uh, Pierre Menard. Well, these the fictions, uh, they're very science fiction-y. So, science fiction -y. Okay, I'm going to skip the, the Spanish in this. Okay, so there's two different sections that uh, the Borges compares from Menard and uh, Cervantes of the Don Quixote. It is a revelation to compare the Don Quixote of Menard with that of Cervantes. The latter, for instance, wrote Don Quixote, Part 1, Chapter 9. Truth, whose mother is history, who is the rival of time, depository of deeds, witness of the past, example and lesson to the present, present and warning to the future. Written in the 17th century, written by the ingenious layman Cervantes, this enumeration is a mere rhetorical eulogy of history. Menard, on the other hand, writes, Truth, whose mother is history, who is the rival of time, depository of deeds, witness of the past, example, and lesson to the present, and warning to the future. History, mother of truth. The idea is astounding. Menard, a contemporary William James, does not define history as an investigation of reality, but as its origin. Historical truth for him is not what took place, it is what we think took place. The final clauses, example and lesson to the present and warning of the future, are shamelessly pragmatic. Part of the point is, is that Menard's version is better because it was written in a different time. Well, you know, um, why did you get interested in the Latin American poets and we want to encourage everyone? Uh, well, I was interested in poetry anyway, but like as far as Borges, I was interested because I read the story, The Garden of Forking Paths, and he just opens, he has, anything can happen in a Borges story and he'll get you to believe in it. Uh, yeah, you know, actually that is a part of him and I have a, uh, I have it's his, kind of magical realism. Uh, yeah, and, and that is the term that was used among many of the Latin American writers, uh, magic realism. And uh, yeah. uh, and no, and, we're 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 gonna we're gonna be all right here, but let's uh, can I can may I give No no we can do yeah, we can do this, but let's here, we want a little bit of sound. Yeah, okay. I just wanted just to for a minute. Okay. Uh, Amanita say plata. I just want to give an example. Oh no! Here we go. Here we go. No, we're gonna finish here. The gypsies, the tunnels. I'll let it down. I'll bring it down. Go ahead, please, please. So, this is by Julio Cortazar, who wrote Blow Up, which got made into a movie. And, and, and Hopscotch. And this is his most favorite, most is one of his most famous stories. I'm just reading the first paragraph. Axolotl, which is a kind of salamander. There was a time when I thought a great deal about the axolotls. I went to see them in the aquarium at the Jardin des Plantes and stayed for hours watching them, observing their immobility, their faint movements. Now I am an axolotl. So... Well, point, what about, so I just no, wanted to use that it. one paragraph. That's what magical realism is. You well, yeah, have, you give me your version you, of you magical have a realism. Realistic, you have a realistic story, but 
uh, weird things happen. They're allowed to happen, and you don't get into, you don't have excuses. It just is. Yeah, uh, American or uh, maybe European writers really uh, were fairly uh, realistic or, or well, di that, well, direct. You know, well, not what, all of them. Not well, all. What, of them. It, what it is though is that it's well, it, it's just basically that uh, it there's a it's a realistic, but then magic things happen, but they are just accepted as real. Uh, Bolaño, uh, later on, and I think he's dead, I don't know why, I don't know, he's a dr drug addict or whatever, but the point is, uh, uh, all of those, uh, uh, and, and Gabriel Garcia Marquez did a hundred years of solitude, you need to wade into that world of, uh, Latin American literature. Oh, I've read, I've read one of your stuff. No, no, but I mean, I'm talking about the audience. Yes, they, they, that stuff is great. Garcia Marquez is great at that. Yeah, a very, very old man with enormous wings is a great story. Oh, that's a great story. Yeah. Where do we want to go? Well, no, we, we, well, we didn't mention actually. Bores is so rich, and they. They never gave him the Nobel Prize, but he uh, shares that honor with James Joyce. <laughs> they never got the Nobel Prize. Yeah. Okay, what's the time, my engineer? Uh, we have about twenty minutes. We have about twenty minutes. Well, we uh, do. We have time for a scare. Well, give us a scare. I mean, I'm talking about the horror here. There's so much horror in the world, and uh, this and is I'm a bring up... writer of mine, Thomas Ligotti, who. Is a little bit influenced by Borges, yeah, but he doesn't. Us, um, he's more fantasy and not uh, magical realism. We'll, uh, we'll never get through all of this. Go ahead. I like it. I like it. Go and ahead. this is the end of the story, but it's about a, uh, a ventral, not a ventriloquist, a hypnotist. It's from a story called "Drink to Me with Labyrinthine Eyes." Please. Of course, it takes a great master to pry open a pair of post-mortem eyes once they are sewn tightly closed by Dr. Reaper. And even afterward, there is so little these creatures are good for. As conversationalists, they are incredibly feeble. The things they tell you are no more than sweet nullities. Nevertheless, they do have their uses, provided I can manage to get their awkward forms out of the mausoleum hospital morgue medical school or funeral emporium I have deviously insinuated my way into. When the mood strikes me, I recruit them for my show. Absent of any will of their own, they're exceptional at doing what they're told. However, there is one great problem. You just can't make them beautiful. One is not a sorcerer. But perhaps one is a superlative mentalist, a preternaturally adept hypnotist. Then one may prompt an audience to perceive his departed subject as beautiful. Did a mistake your mistake her for a spellbinding snake-eyed charmer? One can do this at least. Even now I hear those high society vulgarians still laughing, still dancing, still making a fuss over my charismatic doll of the dead. We showed them what you might be, Seraphita. Now let's show them what you really are. I have only to press this little button of a doorbell to sound the chime which will awaken them, to send the toll rolling throughout the house. Then they'll see the sepulchral wounds, your eyes recessed in their sockets, sunken into a rotting profundity, those labyrinthian depths. They'll wake up and find that their nice dancing clothes all clotted with putrescent goo. And wait, wait until they get a sniff of that stiff. They will be amazed. That's from uh, Thomas Ligotti. Drink to me with labyrinthine eyes from Songs of a Dead Dreamer. And pretty much everything by him is worth reading. Now, um... And he does not have much. We gotta hurry here a little bit. We're we, 20 yes. minutes, you say. Uh, I, I wanted to bring up ghosts, and I, I don't know, I'd ask you whether you'd had any ghost um, Experience. experiences and also I wanted to bring up the notion that there are uh, different realities to reality and uh, I have a, a experience a little bit we've got to get Edgar Allan Poe here but we also have to go to um, 
we have to go to the uh, November 1st uh, is the Day of the Dead, and that will be, we'll be in Lone Fir Cemetery, 3.30, uh, at the uh, grave of Joel Weinstein, and uh, the, um, I, I've had a, a, a few paranormal uh, uh, experiences, and I, I'm going to do, I'm going to rush um, Al's little ghost story, and it's absolutely incredible. Uh, why don't you talk about the ghost thing that you um, uh, experienced or something? What, what, so I lived in a house with uh, that was kind of run down. With uh, it was a three bedroom house, and there was four of us living there. One of us, one of us took over the basement, and supposedly there was a ghost of a little girl in there. Uh, no one I lived with had seen it. I felt her presence once when I was on the toilet in the bathroom. But, is that what but uh, it was not a scary ghost and we had an offer from the next door neighbor who uh, was Wiccan to exercise the ghost and we chose not to uh, exorcism yes. yeah yeah they kicked the ghost and it's like she wasn't harming anyone she wasn't a she wasn't any scary like this other thing well I talk um, about I I had an hour this, later I had this very to, convincing well, may, well, may, oh, I, yeah. may I uh, uh, well, what, what do you think about the, the notion that we don't exactly know what um, death is now, uh, no. you know, and we don't know that there. Uh, I wanted to say that I, um, I remember, uh, I remember in 2010, several realities. One late night, when drinking, I was walking under the streetlights past Lone Fir Cemetery. I had a surreal moment, like, who am I? in this life, where am I? Who is the real me? I had flashes of my life down through the years, but existing in several realms at the same time. I wasn't particularly drunk, I can't get drunk anymore. As I walked along, I asked myself several questions. What is the nature of reality? And doesn't it exist on several levels? In this paranormal state, you can observe yourself uh, in mundane existence when you are in the other level, it is real too. This is not a joke. It's, I'd like to explore it uh, more thoroughly. I'm not uh, sure I described the experience um, well enough. So uh, this, I'm just gonna read two or three points of Al's ghost story. Okay. Al's, uh, Solid 20-year-old, read books, works at UPS. He has a sweet nature. He came from an educated family. When he was 17, the family bought an old house a 90-year-old woman had owned. She died three months earlier in Al's room. He said he'd never met or saw a picture of her. Al's an amateur photographer. His, his eyes see clearly. He was awakened by a bluish figure in the dark. It came toward him and began pressing on his feet. Walt, he said, I could feel the weight of it. Why your feet, I asked. You must have attracted ones, not your legs. He described how he was sleeping on a futon on the floor. The apparition frightened him so much that he started crying. It went back away from him and disappeared. The next night it visited again, come, coming up to the bed and putting uh, weight against his feet. He was really upset, crying again. This time it left and never returned. He described the whole experience in a dispassionate, matter-of-fact way. The only ghost experience he had ever had. Uh, I, I told it. The ghost experience he had ever had. Probably... Your innocence, Al, and youth drew the plasmic figure toward you. Maybe it was trapped between worlds, or maybe like a negative on a photograph. Maybe an after image was still in the dimension. And so I'm going to stop there, but uh, this notion that, uh, uh, and, and many people have, have done this, uh, um, you know, got into the occult and and, and followed some uh, 
who was the guy who was so great in, oh gosh, in, uh, he wrote a book about the occult uh, in England. Um, it seems older places sometimes contain the remnants, older houses. And, yeah, that's an idea. Yeah, that's uh, one part of it. So one, what, what we're doing here, we have to go to the Day of the Dead here, I believe, but listen, okay. uh, uh, I, we could do more of this. Um, so let's recount for them. You liked Jorge Luis Borges. Yes. And you, you recommend Julio Cortazar. Yeah. Uh, and he had wrote a great book called Hopscotch. And uh, Thomas Ligotti. Uh, Thomas Ligotti. Now we're, but we're talking about the, the Spanish ones. Okay, and I told you about first. how important Neruda was in that world. Yeah. And he was murdered and poisoned by the Pinochet yep. Kissinger crowd. And, and, then, um, there, and then Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Yeah. So that, that whole bundle of literature uh, is called magic realism. And it changed uh, uh, our rather straightforward, most of the time, yeah. uh, uh, writing in, in here in, in, in the... Uh, um, come on, Walt. I the, mean, there's... Okay, we got to keep moving. This but is, uh, I do have a little piece... No, 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 just hold on. No, that's good. Now we're doing Strange Fruit... Uh, uh, oh, you got your piece to read. I, I know. I'll yeah, let you read. That's a, no, that's fine. I'm just uh, thinking that it. This is um, uh, Billy Holiday used to throw up uh, lynchings in the South. Strange, strange fruit. fruit. I won't. swinging in the southern breeze strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees Just, we'll just leave that as it is. If that isn't a horror story, uh, lynchings in the Southland that, that yeah. still go on. Now, you you have your little piece of writing. Please, hurry. We, we'll keep going. I will do this quickly, even though, unfortunately, it sounds a little bit like her piece, except it's not about lynching. Well, it, we're, we're talking about the horror. This the horror. is called The Bathroom Lights. 
and uh, I based it on the barrel light of, of Tolkien's Lord of the Rings in the beginning. Okay. Sitting on the porcelain seat, you'd swear you felt a tickle, that the waters below could not remain calm, and you will not blame yourself for that. As a child, you would flush and then run out the door at night, never once looking back, as if to turn and face your fears behind you would immobilize your body into stone. Yet you ran out of the bathroom once the sounds began, as if to outrun an overstretching arm reaching out to hold you back. Now, as an adult, you have outgrown such silly fears until now, when you feel its damp hand clamp down upon the most vulnerable part of your body. Only when you become the latest victim of the bathroom white do you realize your childhood fears were so well founded. Well, again, I had asked you whether you had had... Uh, uh, these um, supernatural yeah so supernatural experiences and uh, yeah uh, the, that's not about the little the, the little girl ghost She's uh, but um, uh, I remember um, uh, I, I'm not gonna talk about myself that much I want to I want to get us to uh, Lone First Cemetery uh, and the um, uh, and the day of uh, November 1st, we're all going to gather uh, about 3.30 at the south side there at the grave of Joel Weinstein. And people bring, uh, uh, people bring uh, food and, and, and beverage and they share some uh, uh, experience. Uh, the um, November 1st, the 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 day of the dead is um, in the Mexican cu culture, uh, Calaveras and all of that. They put food. They believe that the relatives can return on 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 that night, and they bring them food, and the um, uh, the realities are broken for that night. And there's candy for children, and there's all kinds of things so uh the day of the dead is a huge uh mexican tradition and uh uh how many minutes do we have we're, we're getting close uh you got five minutes okay well anyway i um i wanted to bring up loan for cemetery and uh uh samuel leonidas simpson is buried there and I, I love crows, but I uh, wrote a poem called uh, Crows in the Cemetery, and we have to have the right music to get out of here. And this, I was talking about Lone First Cemetery. Crows in the cemetery, crows flying in the misty rain, crows cawing crazily to the lusty dead, crows lambaste us with curses from the tops of lovely firs, the black criers jouncing on feathery branches, the black shriekers bouncing on green springs, the black bastards perched in pointy trees. Don't ask me why or how or which way. The graves are birdhouses. The crows are carrion eaters. I see a craven crow fly away with a wedding ring in its beak. Grave robber! Human life mocker! Your fortune is a hand of spades dealt out by dark, shiny birds with shrill voices. Oh man! All you love, oh man! All you lose! And uh, I want to, um, we, uh, well, we're, we're almost there, and, uh, uh, but really I want you to um, come on November 1st to, uh, we've done it for a number of years now, Lone First Cemetery is a, a magnificent, uh, one of the oldest cemeteries in uh, um, uh, and, and, and Dr. Hawthorne, 
created it, and he ran a madhouse in uh, in Portland, and uh, he um, gave us uh, loan for cemetery. Samuel Leonidas Simpson is there, and uh, we're going to wind to the end here, and I think, well, we, we, we have to, hell, we have to get out of here, but I... I I'll, I'll, I'll share one last uh, weird poem, and I don't know if I believe in all of this uh, spooky stuff. Uh, I had a round mirror, and I was on Grand Street, uh, and, and then I, I wrote this sort of fantasy poem, but uh, the demon, and we're going to start to play here in a minute. Yeah, we got to play. Start playing. Here, we'll just put anywhere you want. Uh, there was a demon in my room. When I opened the door, it was about four in the morning. He was about five foot two. Gray hair, he looked like a banker or a bureaucrat. How the hell did you get in here, I asked. What do you want? You know who I am, he said. I'm a demon. No, you're not. The landlord gave you my key. You're with the FBI, fucker. I told you I'm a demon. I live in the mirror every time you look at your face. I'm in there looking back. Ha ha! I don't believe in demons. I think you're full of crap. Actually, I began to see he was telling the truth. He began shape-shifting in front of me ever so slowly and subtly. His form was morphing in front of me. He was a demon. He was starting to look like me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was a bit scared now. What the hell do you want? I think you should get out right now. I'll call the police, you understand? You know what I want, he replied. I want to be you. I want to enter you. Get off that queer stuff, guy, or I'll beat your face in. No one messes with me. I'm more manly than people think. I'll kick your ass. Go ahead and try, he said. And then he stepped into the mirror and disappeared. It was a round mirror like a glassy moon, silvery like a frozen puddle in winter. I know he will return. I don't think any of us re I don't think any of us return, but uh, Dennis Nybach uh, died October 2nd and we'll have an event for him. He, uh, uh, I, I I can't do it. I was gonna do a sonnet, where uh, for him. Uh, I love Dennison, and we're gonna have a program at Oregon Cultural Heritage one of these days. And uh, Dennis had cancer for three years, and I, I I hate I hate cancer. I'm tired of that. And anyway, while we're doing well, let's we're almost there, aren't we? We're over there. Oh come on, <laughs> we're over there. Well, let's get out with at least some wild music here. Okay, the Talking Earth will would broadcast this uh, October tenth. October tenth, and uh, thank, Portland. Thank you, Patrick Bocard. I'm not sure you're convinced. I'm not sure you're convinced there are ghosts and stuff, but uh, there's other realities, friends. Other realities.
KBOO Portland. Are you a fan of the independent film news and interviews on the film show? Well, you won't want to miss the new and expanded Words and Pictures. Coming in 2019. That's right. The film show and Words and Pictures are coming together to fill the airwaves with the most creative happenings and fertile minds in screencraft, stagecraft, comics, and animation. So tune in to KBU twice a month, 11.30 a.m. every second and fourth Thursday in 